0: I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Well, welcome to another week of the I'm Wondering Podcast. Uh, I have to be honest with all of you, I was certainly struggling with Picking a topic for this week, Um, and my brain's a little mushy today, uh, as it seems to be every time I do a podcast. So I apologize if there are times where I ramble a bit or uh, stumble around. Um, I did put a whole script together, so hopefully I will stay on track. Um, But if I don't, I apologize. Um, because I, it's been a lot going on the last uh, week or so. But I'm excited to be back, of course, and I hope all of you are doing well uh, wherever you are, whenever you're listening. I hope you are having a good time, uh, that you are enjoying wherever you are. See, here we go. This is the brain mush I was talking about, formulating words into sentences. It's the key, right? Um, but today, I finally did land on a topic, just so you know. Um, and I, it's what I'm what I'm going to call the divine yes, and I'm not the person who came up with that; someone else did. Uh, we'll talk about that though shortly. Um, and this kind of came to my mind as I wrestled with what do I cover, um, and I had read in a book uh, where a professor um, mentioned the divine yes, um, and then I thought about the last you know week or two here at the church and some of the conversations I've had, uh, and realized that a lot of people. Um, need to hear this. I think they need to hear about the divine yes, Um, because the topic is very important. uh, Because often as Christians, we live in a way that we wish for human guarantees. Um, And what results is that rather than embracing this divine yes of God, we become slaves to our own works. Uh, And our works, of course, are very important, uh, but they're the result of saving faith. They don't produce saving faith. Um, and if we're not careful, we will fall into the trap of thinking it's the other way around and become our own saviors. Um, there is a fine balance, of course, because we don't want to lead people into thinking that nothing is expected of a believer, um, because as Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, "What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer?" So for the purpose of this podcast, uh, I'll be calling sin the human no, uh, as in N-O, and when we say no to God or don't live according to God's will or desires, on the other side is grace, which I will be calling the divine yes, Um, and these live at tension with each other, uh, but one is stronger than the other, and that is the main point I want to leave all of you with today. Because too many Christians live in fear these days, uh, and we have promises and assurance from the divine yes. So let's start with the human no. The human no is our natural inclination. Um, Though God made us in his image, sin pulled us away from that reality. So instead of reflecting God and who he is, our desire is to reflect ourselves. This leads, of course, to all sorts of sins that put us at the center of the story. Original sin and other topics around this, I've I've already covered or I've covered with someone else on previous co- podcasts, so I'm not going to dive too deep into that aspect of it. But the main thing I want to cover with this human no is our tendency to say no to God. Um, and the Apostle Paul often talked about this uh, in terms of calling it the earthly nature um, it's, our, it's the worldly side of who we are. Um, a good example is Colossians 3, five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Um, the human no is typically very evident as well. Luke 6.45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, the human know in our lives wishes to maintain control and do things our way. Uh, Romans 3.20, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscience, conscious of our sin. That's always a hard word, Conscious. Um, a crass course real quick for people on the law, for anyone who has maybe heard this verbiage before but isn't sure what it means, um, the law were the laws that came down through Moses. It's typically called the Mosaic Law, and before Christ, a Jew would need to live by the law to to maintain the right relationship with God, a right relationship with God, if they stepped out of line, there would be a variety of things to be done to reconcile with God. Um, it could be something like animal sacrifices for atonement, uh, a, ceremon- a ceremonial cleansing, washing, confession, and of course more. And I'm, I don't really uh, have the time to go through all of that, but there were um, several ways that one could, in the Jewish faith, become right with God or to cleanse themselves. Um But once Christ arrived, being right with God was made possible because of grace. Uh, However, that, of course, was not an easy transition for many Jewish Christians. Um, They had a hard time letting go of that. Uh, So many of them continued to kind of strictly follow the law, essentially. Um, And what resulted, and I think continues to result today, is the sort of earn it mentality of the law. Uh, the connection I'm making here between these two is that our sin drives us to think we can earn grace, uh, and the result oftentimes is a forced appearance of holiness that minimizes our sinfulness and plays plays up our sainthood. Um, not because of the grace we've received, um, the divine yes, but because of what we do. So when we take matters into our own hands and we think we can somehow earn our salvation— or earn grace, and so we strive after being holier and holier. Um, in a lot of ways, that's a human no, because it's essentially saying, God, your way, your divine yes of giving us free grace, I'm rejecting that and saying no, because I, th- I think I have to earn it. Um, so that's where I would count that as a human no. Um, one last example of this, uh, of the human no, 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. There is really a trend in the church, I've noticed, um, with an approach to Scripture as a la carte, if you will. Uh, There's an emphasis on the parts of Scripture we agree with and a minimizing or disregard of the parts we disagree with. Uh, we say to God, mm, we know this is your word, mm, but you know, maybe you were wrong about fill in the blank. We're seeing that everywhere in Christianity, and this isn't a unique time. There have been other times in history where this has happened, um, so I don't want us to completely sound the alarm like this is a modern phenomenon, um, but it is certainly a prevalent one today. Um, and of course, that all depends on your view of Scripture. Um, that's really where I think the basis of this is. Um, My view of scripture is that it is the inspired word of and from God. He spoke directly through the biblical authors. So while the words were penned by their hands, the words are from God's voice. Um, That's how I would state it. Uh, As such, I don't believe we have the right to say no to what is revealed. Uh, as much as we want to, as much as we want to take out those parts that are hard for us, um, I don't believe that is right for us. Um, and it is certainly a human no when we say, oh, well, I know it says that in Scripture, but we don't like that. That's a human no, and I disagree severely with that. Um, do we wrestle with Scripture? Absolutely. Uh, I wrestle with the truth of Scripture all the time. There are plenty of things in Scripture that are hard for me to not necessarily understand if you will but to accept. Um but you can't we can't just re- disregard or treat scripture as false because we don't like it. Um that is the human no that is sin telling us, "Oh, you know what? Uh, that's not true." Um I preached about Jesus in the wilderness not too long ago, right? And that's essentially Satan's misusing scripture. I would say that's another version of the human no to misuse or disregard scripture is very dangerous because again, it is God's word. It is God's speaking. So essentially, if you twist those things or if you disregard them, you're disregarding God. Um, And that's a very high view of scripture, and some people disagree with that, um, but I very much am convicted and believe that is the truth. Um, And of course, we could go on and on about that, or any of these human no's. I didn't provide a comprehensive list. It was just kind of a... A teaser there or a little appetizer plate to get some of the big ones that have stuck out to me because um, there are plenty of other ways we exercise the human no. Um, but I want to look more today at the hopeful side, um, which I am calling the divine yes. Uh, and what sparked my thought to cover this topic came from two incidences uh, that happened within the last week. The first was uh, I read a chapter about infant baptism from Gerhart Ferdy, uh, who was a Lutheran professor and theologian. Um, the other was a convers, and Gerhart's was modern times. Actually, Pastor Dan here at Faith Community um, was one of Gerhart's students um, when he was going through seminary. Um, the other event that came to my mind was a conversation in a Bible study about King Saul and how he uh, forfeited his anointment um, from God that he had as king, um, leading him down a very, very dangerous road before David assumed the role of king. And that book is about David ultimately, but the chapter included that uh, about Saul. So let's start with the infant baptism. Um, In transparency, I have struggled a lot with infant baptism. Not so much um, that infant baptism is practiced, um, not anymore at least, but what happens in the baptism, what, what effectively is going on when we baptize an infant, let alone when we baptize an adult. Um, that's been my area of discernment that I've wrestled with for quite a while. Uh, and I'm not going to make this a whole episode on baptism or especially infant baptism, um, but something that stuck out to me in Ferdy's chapter was sort of the spark to this uh, podcast episode today. Um, he talked about the divine yes uh, that is included in baptism. Since God is the main actor in baptism, it is His divine yes, that is the core of the act. The external action of baptism, the water, the the actual baptizing, uh, is simply what God uses to confirm his divine yes. Um, so the conclusion is that baptism isn't based on human confession. Our hearts or anything else, uh, because that baptism—it's—it's um, it's God declaring yes already. Um, and I know that's maybe, you know, a different view than you've heard, and it's a different—it's—it was a very different way than I've ever heard infant baptism explained. Um, but I really enjoyed kind of the line of thinking he was going down and what he was trying to say. Um, and that's a very simplified argument about what he wrote. Uh, And I'm still wrestling with that, of course. Um, But I was struck by that thought. God's divine yes greatly overshadows our no, or even our yes at times. And that's the heart of grace, isn't it? God's divine yes of Christ on a cross and his resurrection defeated the sin of a human no. Uh, Do we still sin? Uh, Yeah, of course. Our free will is not abolished by God's divine yes, but it does give us hope when we start to question if our no has somehow removed us from God's yes. Um, and that's the, that's the piece that really has struck me and made me um, kind of think about what does this divine yes mean? Now, the other conversation I mentioned was from that Bible study. Uh, we've been reading that book about David. And the sec- second chapter was all about um, how David slayed Goliath. Classic story. Uh, Any of us who've been Christians for at least a year or two, even non-Christians, a lot of people know the story about David versus Goliath. Um, And in that chapter, there was a contrast between David and Saul that the author presented. Uh, He talked about how Saul had forfeited his anointment from God, and now David had received that anointment. Um, That is the main reason he could slay Goliath, is he was anointed by God and he had faith that he could do it. And by he, I mean that God would, God would be the one to do it through him, essentially. Uh, when, we were, we, when we got onto the discussion of Saul giving up God's anointment, one of the members in the Bible study shared a fear that they had. Um, they wondered if they were doing that in their life, if, without even meaning to, they were living in a way that removed the anointment of God in their life. And that concern is very real for a lot of people um, you could state this as a question, maybe, is God happy with me? Am I living in a way that shows I have received his grace and anointment? Um, and I have heard time and time again in different times, in different ways, people sort of asking this question, uh, how do I know, essentially, how do I know that um, that I'm living the life God intends for me, um, and thus I would be anointed, is how it's looked at, Right. But we've we've got that backwards, because God's anointment happens firstly. Um, and two responses came to my mind immediately during the group. The first one was, and I didn't quote these scriptures verbatim, I just referenced um, the area we could find them. Um, so I'm, I'm not always going to know every verse off the top of my head. No pastor does. Um, so let's be real, we're human, and the Bible's got a lot. So, but I thought of John, um, in particular John 10, uh, 28, which says, I gave them, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch, snatch them out of my hand. This is Jesus talking, of course. Uh, verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Uh, the other passage that came to my mind was Ephesians 1, um, specifically Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. And, uh, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Immediately after, the words of uh, Gerhard Ferdi came to mind about the divine yes, It is God's yes that we are not snatched away from his hand and are marked and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, What a comfort. Um, To me, that is a great comfort. God's divine yes overwhelms our human no, and that is the heart of grace. What God has done conquers the ultimate power sin has over us. And what are some other passages? Because there are a lot of other passages that exemplify and show off this divine yes from God. Um, First one, Romans 3.23. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. I love that the word freely is in there. Um, In the Greek, it means uh, literally as a gift to no purpose. Um, To no purpose stood out to me when I looked this up, because Paul is essentially saying, God isn't justifying you just so he can get something from you. Uh, It isn't a gift that demands a repayment, um, which is often the fear many people feel when they give gifts, is that, oh no, I received this gift and now I have to give back to someone else. Um, God is just freely giving that. There is He's not putting strings attached to. It, it is a free, um, He is justifying us freely by His grace. Um, and in fact, we are incapable of actually repaying God. Unlike one another, we could buy gifts of equal value, um, but we can't actually repay God uh, for His grace. It's not possible. We aren't capable of living up to any sort of standard necessary to do that. Uh, and even though that's the case, God still said yes to us. He still said yes when he justified us freely by his grace. Another passage comes from Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Uh, Can someone or something dead produce life? Of course not. Likewise, we were incapable of producing life. But God, who is the God of life, brought us back from the death of our transgressions. It was only his yes that could raise us from our death. Uh, That's pretty awesome. Uh, And just one more really quickly. 1 Peter 5.10, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Is it our yes or no that produces eternal glory, restoration, strength, firmness, and steadfastness? No, it is all God. He is the one who called us to eternal glory. He is the one who will restore us, make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Again, it's another divine yes that makes that possible. Um, And I can't, of course, speak for you, uh, but I greatly am encouraged by these passages and this thought that it's God's divine yes. So many times we're all trapped in what we do or don't do, uh, what we've failed to do uh, or not do. And while it is important, of course, for us to live lives that reflect the calling we've received, uh, which is salvation and being children of God. It is not the first step, uh, actually, in our salvation and being children of God. The first step is realizing that God spoke a divine yes to you, to me, to this world. This frees us from the trap of the earn it mentality or thinking a human no can somehow cancel out God's yes uh, and I believe strongly that it spurs us on to joyfully respond to grace rather than living lives that fearfully run from sin. And my hope for this whole podcast, and it's a short one, it's, a, it's only 20 some minutes, um, my hope for all of you listening who struggle with the sense that your no or your sin negates God's yes or his grace will find comfort in the revelation that this isn't true. Uh, Again, we sin, of course, but we also confess with the confidence that God's yes makes all things right. Uh, I pray that you can grasp onto that yes whenever you find yourself in doubt. Uh, And to thank God that a divine yes spoken once by him, it's not just spoken once, but it's spoken forever. And that's the beauty of the divine yes. When God says yes, it always means yes. He does not, as James talks about, he does not shift around like shadows. He is true. He's not a liar. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I can lean on the divine yes um, and stop fixating always on the human no. Um, For me, that's greatly encouraging. Um, It speaks to a deep fear um, that I I believe many of us have, um, which is do we measure up or not? Um, And it allows us to enter into God's presence and receive his love, knowing that he said yes to us, that a divine yes is the basis for our faith. Um, That is something I'm very thankful for. Um, And I hope you are too. And I hope you enjoyed maybe a shorter 20-some minute podcast. trying to get better at that. I was doing those long 45-minute ones. One of these days, hopefully, I will eventually... Uh, get a permanent co-host again. Uh I still miss Jacob. So Jacob, if you're listening, we still miss you. Um but uh for now it's it's good to keep it shorter. Uh you know, hopefully people enjoy that. But I will leave with an I'm wondering question, of course. Uh I'm wondering what is your favorite place to visit outside of the state you live in. Um and this of course came to mind because Hannah and I by the time this comes out will be Headed towards the airport. We will be visiting Whitefish, Montana this weekend, which we are very excited for. Um, very much looking forward to going up there. Always wanted to visit Montana, so this will be a wonderful uh, occasion. Wonderful. Um, it's a wonderful reason that we get a visit. So we are very much looking forward to that. Um, and so yeah, that's uh, it's. It, I can't say it's our favorite. We've never been, <laughs> um, but one of our favorite. Places, well, that's hard because one of our favorite places actually is, you know, Colorado as a whole is pretty nice. Um, but you know, I'm thinking, let me think through it. I don't have an answer, um, but you, you probably have an answer. So if you do, or if you have topic suggestions and you feel like giving me mercy and grace because I confessed my struggle to think of a topic, uh, you can email all of that to me at I'm wondering podcast at gmail.com. Um, And I will take a look and get back to you if you email me. Or you can message all the normal stuff, personally talk to me, whatever it may be. Um, But that is it for now. Uh, I'm Dylan, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast.